Thank you for joining the Bogard Press through the Bible Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, we are concluding the book of Acts, chapters 15 through 28, in a study entitled, Churches Starting New Churches. During this study, we will learn biblical principles of how the Holy Spirit leads church sent, God called men to start new churches. You can purchase your copy of this book, along with many other study resources, on our website, bogardpress.org. So, grab your copy of the Spring 2023 Adult Study Guide and your Bible, and follow along. Today's lesson for April 2, 2023, is entitled, A Mighty Work in Ephesus. It comes from Acts chapter 19, verses 10 through 20. The key verse, Many of them also which use curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Acts chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. The application, the student will learn that only God through the preaching of the gospel, has the power to change lives and communities. Seeking the Context As the Apostle Paul headed back to Jerusalem and Antioch at the end of his second missionary journey, he made a quick stop at Ephesus, Acts chapter 18, verses 19 through 21. Although the Ephesians wanted him to stay longer, Paul was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. Paul wanted to be at Jerusalem during the feast, likely Passover, because he knew there would be many Jews in the city, providing him an opportunity to witness to them. We do not know what Paul did while there, other than greeting the Jerusalem church. We also do not know what Paul did while in Antioch either. He likely spent his time reporting on his second missionary journey and resting as he did at the end of his first missionary journey, Acts chapter 14, verses 27 and 28. Paul left Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus promising to return, and the couple made Ephesus their home for many years. While there they encountered Apollos, an eloquent man, who was fervent in the spirit. He was mighty in the scriptures and taught diligently the things of the Lord, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 25. But when Aquila and Priscilla heard him speaking in the synagogue, they recognized that he knew only the baptism of John. Seemingly, his understanding of the gospel narrative ended at John's ministry of preparing the way of the Lord Jesus. After they explained to him the way of God more completely, Acts chapter 18, verse 26, Apollos went to Achaia and the city of Corinth and helped the Corinthian church greatly. It is then that the Apostle Paul, now on his third missionary journey, kept his promise to return to Ephesus. When Paul arrived in Ephesus, he immediately recognized a problem, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. The disciples there had not heard of the Holy Spirit, and something was wrong with their baptism. Some have suggested that these disciples were not saved, but Paul said they believed in Acts chapter 19 and verse 2. The word disciples strictly refers to believers in the book of Acts. Paul's concern was not their salvation, but their baptism. He saw no evidence of the Holy Spirit among them. They needed to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus to correct the problem. Verse 5. 
What is apparent in this context is that Apollos had incorrectly taught these disciples to receive the baptism of John. Apollos had no authority to administer John's baptism because only John the Baptist had this authority. When Paul gave instructions concerning their need to be baptized, his reasoning was based on the outdated baptism of John, verse 4. It was a baptism pointing to repentance, whereas New Testament baptism points to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The problem with these disciples was that they did not have correct baptism. All believers receive the indwelling and sealing of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but this is not the issue here. Because of their incorrect baptism, God would not approve these disciples and recognize them as a church. Once Paul corrected the baptism problem, the Holy Spirit came upon them and demonstrated himself with the gifts of tongues and prophecy, as he similarly did on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Thus the Ephesian church was born. Our lesson today picks up with Paul's further ministry in Ephesus. What are some things you know about the Ephesian church? Searching the text. Number one, they heard the word. Acts chapter 19 verses 10 through 12. And this continued by the space of two years. So that all which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul had a great three-year ministry in Ephesus, resulting in all they that dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Verse 10. This is an amazing fact. The geographic location of Asia corresponds to modern-day Turkey, which is approximately 300,000 square miles. It is hard to estimate how many people heard the gospel, but Ephesus alone was the fourth largest city of the Roman Empire of approximately 300,000 people. It is not a stretch to say that more than a million people heard the word during Paul's ministry in Ephesus. The Ephesian church became very influential with multiple elders, pastors, indicating that it was a large church. Some have suggested that through the ministry of the Ephesian church, the other churches of Asia in Revelations chapter 2 and 3 were established. Paul spent two years teaching in the school of Tyrannius. We know nothing of this place, but what we know is that Paul taught the Word of God there every day. Extra-biblical manuscripts say from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Paul later told the Ephesian elders that he had declared the whole counsel of God to them, Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, which means that Paul not only taught about salvation in Jesus Christ, but also about living the saved life. But Paul's ministry was not restricted to his teaching at the school of Tyrannius. He also taught them from house to house, Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. Paul worked hard in Ephesus. He reminded the Ephesian elders how he had not ceased to warn them night and day with tears, Acts chapter 20 and verse 31. With all that Paul told us of his time in Ephesus, we can piece together his daily work schedule. Paul rose early and made tents with Aquila and Priscilla, 
as he told the Ephesian elders that his own hands provided his living. Acts chapter 20 and verse 33. Sometime later in the morning, Paul would go to the school of Tyrannius and teach later in the afternoon. But his workday was not over yet. He continued working into the night, teaching and ministering from house to house. I sometimes become frustrated with my busy schedule. There is always something to do. When one lesson or sermon is prepared, there is another to start. When one visit is made, I have a long list of others to complete. When I am tempted to complain, I am reminded that we are to work for the Lord without murmuring. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. And do so heartily. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Serving the Lord requires hard work. And instead of complaining about the hard work, we should be thankful that we are allowed to work for the Lord. But the success in Ephesus was not all about Paul's hard work. The Lord worked many special miracles through Paul's hands, verifying that Paul's work was the Lord's work. By this, we are reminded that without the Lord, we can accomplish nothing. It is God's work through our hard work that will accomplish God's will in our ministry. Instead of complaining about the hard work of serving the Lord, how should we look at it? Number two, the name of the Lord was magnified. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 17. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and certain of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answereth and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greek who dwell in Ephesus, and fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. As in the case in Paul's ministry, success did not come without challenges. Jewish exorcists, some of whom were sons of Sceva, took up the name of Jesus attempting to cast out evil spirits. These men were most likely frauds and liars because there is no record of any Jewish chief priest named Sceva. Furthermore, they failed in their efforts to use Jesus' name in their scams. The use of Jesus' name is not some magic formula for witchery, and only those doing the will of God can claim the name of Jesus. It was God's power working through Paul that performed special miracles. These men had no such power and were overpowered by the evil spirits. God's miracles were always meant to identify his presence and work. The miraculous plagues of the Exodus were to show both Jews and Egyptians that God is the one and only God in opposition to the so-called gods of Egypt. Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 through 5. Jesus' miracles were to prove that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and the only way that one might have eternal life. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The fact that God worked special miracles by Paul's hand and that so-called Jewish exorcists failed 
to use the name and authority of Jesus resulted in magnifying the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. The teaching and preaching of Paul was verified by special miracles of God, whereas the failure of these Jewish exorcists exposed them to be godless frauds. Satan is the master deceiver and often seeks to deceive by counterfeit means. The magicians of Egypt replicated the miracles of Aaron's rod turning uh, into a snake. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, Exodus chapter 7 and verses 12 through, 10 through 12. These magicians also replicated the first two plagues of the water turn, turning to blood and bringing frogs upon the land, but they were unable to reproduce any of the others, Exodus chapter 7 verse 22, chapter 8 verse 7, chapter 8 verse 18, and 19, and chapter 9 verse 11. I do not know how these magicians were able to do what they did. It may have been an illusion, or it may have been the working of Satan. He is a counterfeit miracle worker, and his Antichrist will be also. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is why we cannot look to miracles today as the definitive sign of God's work, because Satan has his counterfeiters. What we must look to is the Word of God, and judge all work and ministry accordingly. One very important indicator of God's work and workers is whether the name of Jesus is magnified. Too many ministers and ministries today are meant to magnify the minister and not Jesus. If the name of the preacher or singer is the one in lights, then they should be held in suspect because it is likely that they intend to magnify themselves and not Jesus. Can you name a preacher or singer who is more interested in magnifying himself or herself instead of Jesus? Number three, the word of God grew. Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. It was not the miracles that brought faith to the Ephesians. It was the word of God. They heard Paul's preaching and teaching and responded in belief. The same will work today. We are to preach and teach the Word of God, and people are to respond in faith. This is God's way to, to bring sinners to salvation, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. That the Word of God grew mightily indicates that the powerful message of the gospel was reaching more and more people in and around Ephesus. That it prevailed denotes the strength of the word to overcome the power of sin and rebellion to cause sinners to believe and be transformed. When the Ephesians believed, they were born again by the powerful effects of the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Salvation is indeed a life-changing experience. The Ephesians showed the nature of true repentance and how faith changed their lives for the better. They turned away from their magic books 
filled with superstition and devilish devices to the word of God. They sacrificed by burning their magic books, whose value was equivalent to 50,000 days' wages. They forsook their former lives, steeped in paganism, empowered by Satan, and turned to God to live in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Can you describe how salvation changed your life? Setting the application. Paul's time in Ephesus was some of the most productive. He wrote to the Corinthian church while in Ephesus, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. The Lord opened the door, and Paul walked through it for the advancement of the gospel and establishing a great church for the glory of God. Has the Lord opened doors of ministry for you? Are you willing to walk through the through and do the hard work of sharing the gospel and teaching believers the ways of God? Paul also wrote that there were many adversaries. Often with great ministry opportunities come great troubles. Paul also had some of his biggest troubles in Ephesus, even saying that he fought with beasts in Ephesus. 1 Corinthians 15.32 Whatever he meant by that, Paul was willing to make whatever sacrifice necessary for the service of the Lord. Are you? For those of us who are saved, we can testify to the life-changing salvation wrought in us. If you are not saved, I invite you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Then you too can experience change in your life for the better. Be saved today and start serving the Lord. What door of opportunity has the Lord opened for you? Thank you for joining us in another lesson of the Bogard Press through the Bible Adult Study Guide podcast. We look forward to studying with you again next week as we continue studying Acts 15 through 28. Bogard Press is the publishing ministry of the American Baptist Association. We exist to equip churches with the resources they need to carry out the Great Commission. These resources include Bible study materials for preschoolers through adults, including Sunday School, Children's Chapel, Baptist Training Course, Bible Challenge and Vacation Bible School. Please visit our website to find all the ministry resources you will need, at bogardpress.org. That's bogardpress.org. Until next week, find daily encouragement from our daily devotionals at bogardpress.org.